So it's really a fully sustainable process, which I think makes it even more amazing what these little creatures do. Welcome to Nanomatters, the podcast that explores specific examples of nanotechnology. I'm Lisa Friedersdorf, Director of the National Nanotechnology Coordination Office. Here with me today is Hannes Schneep, Associate Professor of Applied Science at the College of William & Mary. Hannes is exploring the fascinating properties of spider silk. So, to get things started, what's so special about spider silk? Spider silk is really one of the most impressive materials found in nature. For instance, it is so strong and tough that it outcompetes some of the best engineering materials like steel, which is pretty impressive. At the same time, really, spiders produce this material in a completely natural and fully sustainable way. So these tiny creatures, all they need is eat one cricket a week, and then they can produce this amazing material. So I want to ask you to maybe explain a couple of the things that you mentioned. I know that strength is a property that resonates with people. What do you mean by toughness? So toughness means that it can absorb a lot of energy. And that's really what scientists mean when they say tough. As an example, there's one of the Spider-Man movies where Spider-Man needs to save a train and he tries to stop this train. So he produces a lot of this silk and then wraps it around the train and is able to eventually stop the train from falling down a bridge. And that's only possible really because the material is so stretchy that it can absorb all this energy that the train has. Actually, some calculations have been done that if you were able to produce a spider silk strand as thick as the one that Spider-Man uses in the movie, it would actually be possible to stop a train with it. So you mentioned that with one cricket a week, a spider can make this silk. So how do spiders make silk? So silk is really entirely made of protein. So the spiders, they have a silk gland that really produces this special silk protein. And inside the spider, this protein is stored as a highly concentrated, watery gel. Spiders can then spin really a very strong and tough silk fiber out of this watery gel. And to do that, they really have a very tiny but highly sophisticated spinneret, which really alters the physical and chemical properties of this dope in several stages until it's ultimately squeezed out. What are some of the properties, I mean, in addition to the strength and toughness, that would make it useful? Silk is made by these animals without the use of any toxic chemicals. It also does not use a lot of energy and it is really done at ambient temperatures. There are also no toxic byproducts. So it's really a fully sustainable process, which I think makes it even more amazing what these little creatures do. I mean, one way of looking at it is that it is just a naturally made plastic, right? So in many ways, these protein molecules, they're long chains, such as you find long chains of molecules in a lot of synthetic plastics, right? So think about a, a shopping bag or, or something like that. So in terms of the things that we can make of silk, we could think really about almost a universal replacement of plastics. 
But then I think we can actually even do better than that because silk actually performs better than some of the plastics or actually most of the plastics. But then because it is a bio-friendly material, it's also friendly to our body. I mean, the simplest thing would be we can simply eat it, right? So let's say if you make your water bottle out of spider silk instead of plastic, you could drink your soda. And then when you're done drinking the soda, you could actually eat the bottle and you have your daily dose of protein. Do different types of spiders or different species make different types of spider silk? Yeah, for all we can tell right now, there are at least 48,000 different species of spiders. So there is an extreme richness really in variations and different flavors of silk that are out there. And as a matter of fact, some spiders, they can make six or eight different kinds of silk just from one spider, depending on what they use it for. We actually work with the brown recluse spider, which is very unique. And as far as we know, from all the 48,000 species of spiders that are out there, it's really the only one that makes a silk fiber that's not cylindrical or round, but that's actually a flat ribbon. So it's like a, a tiny piece of scotch tape. And then out of this scotch tape, it makes very intricate and beautiful loop structures that yet again lead to new properties of this material. So since this is nanomatters, what is the role of the nanoscale in the properties of spider silk? If you study spider silk or other materials that are found in nature, I'm just overwhelmed by the fascinating richness that you find in these materials. So if you approach this spider web, it's almost like if you're looking at the United States on one of these satellite maps, and then you can zoom in and eventually you find your state, your hometown, and then you find your house, and then you see what's in your driveway. So you can really start with the spider web and then you zoom in and at every size level, you really see a new structure. And a lot of the exciting things are really going on at the nanoscale of this material. So what we recently found is that when we zoomed in with a high-powered microscope to look at this ribbon silk from the brown recluse spider, we found that it's entirely made out of nanofibrils. So these nanofibrils, they have a, a diameter of about a millionth of an inch. So that translates into 25 nanometers. So in other words, if you look at the entire web, one fiber is just a tiny thing. But then if you look at the fiber and zoom in, it's made up of about 2,500 tiny, very thin nanofibrils. So in a way, it's a little bit like a cable or a rope. And we believe that this fascinating nanostructure really has a lot to do with the properties that we have at the end of the fiber. How do you see future applications of spider silk? Do you see mimicking this material into an artificial spider silk or improving opportunities to harvest naturally occurring spider silk? What are the paths to scaling up these materials? Right now, a very promising route that researchers are starting to take is to implant part of the spider DNA into bacteria and then use bacteria to mass produce the silk protein so that we can then make things out of that protein. But we need to have these nanofibrils to get to the amazing properties of silk. 
So if we use these bacteria to mass produce protein, that's only one step. The next step is that we will have to build a spinning apparatus that actually produces then a fiber out of this protein that comes close to the natural fiber that the spiders make. Well, I think that being at the intersection of biology and engineering and material science is a fascinating place to be, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I want to say the future is bright. And it's maybe not easy to always look at it this way because we have some really big problems to solve. There's the climate, we need to have enough water, we need to figure out the energy problem. But I think there is a lot of creativity to be unleashed. And I think there's a lot of power in science and engineering in nanotechnology. And I think there are a few great solutions that these disciplines have to offer. And especially in the mix of really learning some tricks from nature in terms of how to do things in a way that they integrate well with the planet, I think there are just great possibilities out there. 